0: Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting down with the one and the only Rob Reese. He is the fantasy editor for NHL.com, but he wears many other hats. Rob, how is your day shaking out so far?
1: Not too bad, man. Can't complain. Just gearing up uh, for another exciting All-Star game.
0: What are you looking forward to most about this weekend in the All-Star game yourself?
1: Um, Well, I think there's been – I know a lot of guys have kind of dropped out or have injuries, which, you know, could be viewed as a negative, but I think it's a cool opportunity for uh, some young guys, you know, the new stars to showcase their talents, like Brady Kachuk and guys like that. So I would just say kind of the the fresh faces of the All-Star game in the new NHL.
0: Yeah, it kind of sucks. I mean, myself, I'm a Toronto fan, and this podcast obviously is Leafs-centric. You know, watching Austin Matthews say that he's not going to compete – with a wrist injury, and then all the other injuries the Toronto Maple Leafs have right now, it's it's kind of alarming. I wonder what you thought when Austin dropped out, and at least he's showing up for all the festivities, but not going to be able to, to compete or do any of the drills. I wonder what your thoughts are yeah. there.
1: Yeah, I was I was definitely surprised by that myself. He uh, was kind of broke quickly. There was not even a rumor uh, that that was going to happen. So yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I think just you know. Uh, I do watch the Leafs a lot myself and, and kind of just seeing them be up and down this entire season uh, you know it, it's hard what to make of it I mean look at the playoff standings in the Eastern Conference right now and it's shocking it's like jaw dropping to see Toronto being outside of that so obviously Austin Matthews is a huge part of their success moving forward and it's going to be a huge part you know, of this team trying to make the playoffs
0: No definitely well we'll stay on the Maple Leafs just for a moment and we'll jump back to the All-Star game here as well but with the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously it's no, uh, I guess it's no hidden thing that the defense is the problem on this squad. And, you know, losing Morgan Riley and Jake Muslin for chunks of time doesn't help that cause. I'm wondering, do you see this team making a move? I know the name Dumba has come up as of late as a player the Leafs are looking at, even Manson out of Anaheim. Um, I'm wondering, do you see the Leafs dealing from their surplus in forwards and grabbing a defenseman? Or are they just going to wait and see what Sandin and Lilligran can bring them?
1: No, it's Sandine. Looks he had a couple good showings this year, Um, but I I would say I'm I'm inclined to see them add. I don't think it's going to be the flashy guy like Dumba, or maybe the more physical guy like Manson from Anaheim. I would be more inclined to say they go after you know the Brendan Dillon type mold from San Jose. Decent deal. Uh, He's got another. I think he's going to be a UFA this summer. So you know, kind of more cap-friendly, if you will, for them. And he brings a lot to the lineup, too. I mean, he can play big minutes. He's got good possession numbers, and he's got great hits totals. So, you know, a guy like that, I think, would help to round out their lineup. I know the number one complaint you hear around the league about the Leafs is they can't really match the physical style of play. Yep. And think about this, too. Like, the last two cup winners, Washington in 2018, And St. Louis in 2019, what did they have in common? They are two of the heaviest teams in the entire National Hockey League. So I know that it's more of a speed game, skill game now, but the thing with Washington and St. Louis, they can play the speed and skill game, but they can also run you out of the rink. And if the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to go far in the playoffs this year, they're going to be able, they're going to need to be able to do that. So I would like to see them go after one of those more physical guys, you know, maybe even Alec Martinez or Melville, Something like that that's not going to blow you away on paper, but I think when it comes down to winning a seven-game series, one of those guys gets you over the
0: hump. Well, the thing about the Maple Leafs, I mean, obviously watching them all the time, I look at them and I see a team that doesn't have that physical element, and, you know, Dubas says, well, we're going to, you know, use this power play, and we're going to draw penalties, and we're going to score our opponent. That's going to be our physical play. And, you know, that's all fine and dandy, but we all know in the playoffs, the speed game kind of slows down. And as you go deeper and deeper, it's those guys like the Maroons who can grind you out and just grind the play. And they're often the ones chipping in the key goals at key times because they're used to that mucking it up, grind you on the board style. And yeah, we have Peering Vall and a couple of other guys, but we don't have that, you know, Tom Wilson or that Patrick Maroon, like I just mentioned. So if you're looking up front as well, Rob, who would you say to Leafs maybe? Trade away, but add something in the front, too, not just the back end. Would you say they should do that, too?
1: Well, that, that's a great point. And I think you almost have to be you it with Washington and Tom Wilson. I mean, he, he is an enigma. I mean, no one can play. I know he gets a lot of flack on Twitter. You know, all, all the people get riled up about his style of play. But what they don't understand is if you watch them play during the regular season or in the playoffs, he makes plays, too. He's got great hands. Good vision, and he's very hard to play against. So it's those guys, but it's also their third and fourth line players that really make an impact, too. I mean, look at what Lars Eller as a 3C did during yep. the Cup run. He was playing near point-per-game pace, but he can also take some physical elements great on the defense side of the puck as well. And then when they had Jay Beagle playing fourth-line center there when they won the Cup, I mean, that's a player that signed a bigger deal in, in uh, Vancouver just based on his defensive capabilities and physical style alone. So I would like to see the least add a player like that. I just think that the market this year... You know, in terms of guys, bottom six forwards, I mean, maybe you look at a guy like Blake Coleman who can chip in physically, he can score goals. He's really he's the only player in the NHL that has at least 19 goals this year and at least 145 hits. The only other player close to that is Brady Kachuk. So those guys are very rare. And I think the price might be a little bit too high for Dubas to pull the trigger, where I think it might be more cost effective for them to just gamble on that physical defenseman and hope that that's enough.
0: Well, a player that has been linked to the Leafs before and, you know, he is a UFA at the end of this year, not having the greatest year in New Jersey as well, but is Wayne Simmons. And I'm wondering if you maybe take a flyer on him, if you could somehow get New Jersey to retain just a little bit. Um, I know, you know, it's going to be an expiring deal at the end of the year, but just something. And add him, obviously, you know, hometown guy, you know, it does add the physical element, can score, and we all know he loves to score against the Leafs. Maybe he might like scoring for the Leafs, so... I'm wondering if that might be a target, if the price could be right.
1: I'd like to hear your opinion on that, too. But for me, I I really don't think, and this is not a knock on the player, I mean, Wayne's had a phenomenal career uh, for a couple different clubs, but when he went to Nashville at the deadline last year, I mean, let's call a spade a spade here, it was a non-impact move. And I just worry, and now in New Jersey, we're seeing the same mold. So I do worry that Wayne's logged a little bit too many miles to still bring that style of a play, even on the power play with Jersey, he was struggling. So that used to be sort of his area of expertise, and I'm just not seeing that fit in Toronto. I mean, their power play is pretty dynamite as is. They can even dip into their second unit and put a guy from there up top to the first unit. So and it even strength, I just don't think he has what it takes anymore to really grind you down. Uh, it would be a great story, I think, as you mentioned, for kind of the hometown, uh, you know, the hometown story. But other than that, I, I really don't see that being a difference maker for Toronto.
0: Well, the only reason why I think about it is, like we just talked about, you know, Toronto is pretty loaded in their top six, even if you go to the top nine. If you give him, you know, limited minutes, I know it's something he's not used to. But you limit his minutes and you put him out there just to do those things, to be, you know, Dwayne Simmons, who's the agitator, who gets guys to take dumb penalties at times, and you just limit his, you know, his exposure, so to speak. I'm wondering if he could be effective. I know that he's, you know, on the back nine, really, of a very, you know, physical career that he's had. But I don't know. For me, for whatever reason, maybe it might be that change of scenery that reinvigorates him and next thing you know he's he's up there playing with Austin Matthews or something and, you know, lo and behold, he's holding the Stanley Cup in Toronto. Like, a guy can wish, you know.
1: That's true. And, and look at what Delia Kovalchuk's doing in Montreal. Talk about a chain of scenery, right? I mean, and he's an aging veteran, too. So, I can see that in Toronto probably that other market that that New York and Montreal that'll really get it going and maybe play with a little bit more itch. But I do think when I look at the least straight deadline, my wish would be one of those type physical defenders and then definitely a backup that Freddy's going to get run into the ground. And, and one small little groin tweak, body injury around the time of the postseason, that would be a nightmare scenario without a backup
0: goalie. I think he's battling something right now. If you look at his last five games, he hasn't exactly been, you know, lights out Freddie also, you know, running into the ground. That may already be happening too. And I really do hope the Leafs pull the trigger and get uh, Gorgiev, or Georgiev, however you say it, out of uh, the Rangers' I know the price seems to be pretty steep, but if you look at it and you're able to sign him to whatever, two, three million dollars per se you trade Kapanen to get him, then you have that guy that may just be the heir apparent to Freddie Anderson when his deal is up. So I'm wondering, and, do you and, think that's the guy for Toronto? A hundred percent.
1: And with Gorgiev, you get a guy that could be a number one too. Even if Freddie did get injured for an extended period of time, Gorgiev's numbers have proven for the past two seasons, this is an exclusive to this year, that he's capable of handling a bigger workload. So that's your safest guy. I know the price might be a little bit high, but that is a position you cannot mess around with. Look at Murray. in Pittsburgh this year. Tristan Jory emerged as the guy that could carry the workload while Murray struggled. And Casey Smith in, in, in Washington. Yeah, and Casey, Casey Smith was, was reliable, too. And then look at Holpe in Washington. I mean, he's playing uncharacteristically bad now for the past two regular seasons in a row, thank God Helios Stanov is very capable of being a number one there. I mean that's just the reality with clubs nowadays. We're seeing it with Montreal, you cannot roll carry price out every single night and expect to remain competitive in this league. You need two capable guys and Gordie is at the top of that list right now.
0: And you know what? The team that sort of started this whole, you know, one A, one B you know, the tandem really well was the Boston Bruins with Halak and, uh, and uh, Tuka Rask. You know, that kind of set the bar. And then, I mean, you can even go back and say it was Flurry and Murray, but really I think the best proof of the pudding is definitely the Boston Bruins with those two guys.
1: 100%. And now that strategy has not worked in a playoff and ever. I can't remember. I cannot tell you the last time the team won with a good tandem like that. But as long as the tandem gets you through the regular season into the postseason, obviously you can't win the cup if you don't qualify for the playoffs. So getting that tandem now solidified is important. And then you know, come playoff time, you need Freddie to assert dominance as the true number one, which he will. I mean, he's he's one of the best boys in the league. He's healthy.
0: No, one hundred percent. Well, I got to ask the question before we shift gears and do a little All Star game talk and around the league chatter. Um, do you see the Toronto Maple Leafs? Making the playoffs this year?
1: 100%. And I, I, I'm not ashamed to say it. They were my preseason cup final pick with the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> in the Western Conference. So I really do believe in this team. see the end-to-end goals I don't need to see any lacrosse style goals I don't need to see any of that I just want to see a well-oiled machine playing two ways winning three to one three to two type hockey games
0: definitely and well Sheldon Keefe does have them you know on a very good you know point percentage since he's taken over so you know the last five games as we keep mentioning are a little bit of a blip right now, but obviously teams do go through dips and valleys. You go on an 11-game point streak, obviously. The other way, has got to swing back eventually. So I do see them in the playoffs. I do see them pulling their socks up. Um, you know, for, for me as a fan, I want them to get into that third seed um, in the Atlantic Division because obviously if they go wild card, you never know, you might end up playing Boston yet again first round, even though you're trying to avoid that. So I want to see them uh, usurp the Florida Panthers and get back to where they need to be in the top three of the Atlantic.
1: There's no harm in a little parody anyway. I think it makes it more interesting for everybody. Whether you're a bit more nervous now than in seasons past, I think it's overall a pretty good thing for the league. And it makes it, hey, a little bit more fun to tune into every Leafs game, especially in late January, early February.
0: Well, that's been the thing, too. And I said it the past two seasons when the Leafs had a playoff spot basically locked up in January. You know, it's hard to have that engine humming at all cylinders. You know, especially the bunch of young guys, as Sheldon Keefe has said, you know, a little immature. You know, you get to the playoffs finally and you got to switch that switch on, and these guys aren't used to that. So maybe having to battle and scrape to get in, you may get the best version of this Maple Leaf squad anyways.
1: There's no better example than Tampa Bay Lightning of last year. I mean, when you think about no parity in the regular season and I- getting swept in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, that is the pinnacle example of what you don't want. And I agree. I think if, if this is probably good for those young guys in the Leafs. Learn how to win games now. Learn how to win meaningful games because we all know that every single game in the playoffs is meaningful.
0: No, definitely. Well, there's one question I want to ask about the Maple Leafs before we move on. Um, at the beginning of the season, I decided to take a bet – and it was for the Toronto Maple Leafs to finish with more points than the Philadelphia Flyers for $100. I'm wondering, would you have taken that bet at the beginning of the season?
1: I would have I would have taken that bet 10 times. <laughs> there, there's, uh, there's no chance that that doesn't
0: happen. Yeah, so We're talking
1: about the Flyers who are probably the most inconsistent team the most inconsistent competitive team in the national hockey league. They'll win five, they'll lose five, and this dates back to like five years now. theres It doesn't matter who's coaching. There's just something going on there in Philly.
0: Uh, I think for at least for this year anyways, I think you're starting to see some of the age in some of the guys and maybe the team, the veterans are starting to age out a little bit, but you never know. But, yeah, no, I took that bet and now I'm holding on to my seat hoping the Maple Leafs can straighten her out. <laughs> so, I'd be shocked if you lose that one.
1: I really would
0: I might have to send you a message when I do. <laughs> the the other thing I want to talk about, I mean, obviously we have the All-Star Weekend coming up and the NHL is looking for fun, and not that this story is fun, but we do have uh, one mascot that is making headlines right now, right before All-Star Weekend, and that appears to be Gritty, um, getting a little Gritty with a young fan. Um, wondering what your thoughts are here, and um, do you think Gritty did it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am- He's dilingated mascot headlines which he's gotten into the week, so you know, maybe he cools off headlines in a little bit and hopefully
0: that situation uh gets resolved to both parties liking. Yeah, no, I hope so as well. I was just reading a little article. This is the first time that Gritty's gotten in trouble and I guess the Philadelphia Phillies mascot. I believe it's up into the two hundreds that he's been uh, attempted to be sued. So I think Gritty's doing pretty well in in, in case of the law. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think, like, the kinetic had a lot of problems with Philly, too. So, it's a tough market, but, you uh, know, I, I think uh, hopefully this your own itself, and, and like I said, everybody um, comes
0: out satisfied. Definitely. Um, so, another thing that happened in the league, and I want to ask your opinion on this, obviously, it has been hot button for at least a couple of weeks now since it's happened. Um, the, the Chuck hit on Cassian. We There's a two, basically, hits in the game. The first one looked real bad, where Cassian's head snapped around. Obviously, you know, the second one and what happened afterwards. I'm wondering what your thoughts are there. Obviously, it's good for the game to get a little bit of heat and a little bit of blood, a little bit of people getting, you know, up in each other's face. Um, but I'm wondering if it should have been just left to what happened on the ice or do you think that the uh, supplementary discipline was warranted? Well, it's,
1: it, when you're talking about two players like that, it's very hard to assess. I mean, those two players play a very similar style, obviously, checking you know, he's a much higher end talent guy um, than casting. but, you know, casting still tag on the top line with McDavid. You know, so when you have two big guys going at it like that, you know, look back to Lucic, guys like that. I think it's hard. I think it's hard to assess, you know, one side or the other. Um, and then maybe just, you know, now it's funny, loose for the loose of the Flames this in their first game out of All Star. Uh, break is against the Oilers. You know, casting first skate back. So, there's certainly some theatrics, um, you know, underlying there too. You know, my personal opinion on it is, is like I said. I mean, when it's those two guys, you know, if you sub in Tom in that conversation or you see two that, it would be very hard to say because um, those guys are kind of playing a different style. Just naturally, I mean, they're so much more physically. Um, I don't know if you want to say gifted, but they're just much, they're just so
0: much bigger than other guys. It's it's really hard to assess that. Yeah, and for me, you know, obviously, I've done a lot of listening of different podcasts and different shows and everything like that to see engage in opinion. I, I agree with Paul Bissonette and the guys on Spit and Chicklets. I think it should have been just left to the ice. Um, you know, the hits were hit. There's no penalty called. You know, he defended himself afterwards or defended what he felt he needed to defend after that. And then you know, nobody was quote-unquote hurt, um, you know, one guy turtled. And obviously even Warrior Hockey, his sponsor, decided to make a you know, a nice picture of it. So, you know, I think it could have been left there and left alone. But, you know what, the league felt it might need to do something. And now George Perros is going to be in the house when they do play each other next. To, so if anything boils over, obviously there's going to be a whole lot more. But I like the fact that Battle of Alberta's got some juice to it. I like the fact that, you know, L.A. and Calgary got a little bit of juice going on. And it's something that hockey needs. I mean, you love the rivalries, and you don't like the forced narratives, you know what I mean? Like Patrick Laine versus Austin Matthews, you know, one versus two, all that stuff. You like when things actually naturally and organically happen. So this stuff here, it's all organic. These guys don't like each other. And then obviously the teammates pile on because they want to defend their guy. So I like this stuff in hockey, and I think we need a little bit more of it.
1: The only downside is it's only coming from one or two teams right now. Yeah. Right? You know, I wish I wish we kinda of, I kinda of missed the days of the Avs, Red Wings, the Red Wings rivalry that was so physical, so intense every single game. Same thing, early caps, pens. I mean that's and Philly pens Sends you know, Maple Leafs. I, I, exactly. Like I, I kinda miss of that. And I, I wish that was more across the league with more teams. That, that's the one thing. Maybe I'm a bit of uh, the diamond do miss that. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if you step back from the and contract situation, this is just great, you know, that the Battle of Alberta is back on. I think people that, you know, especially here in the state, they don't truly understand um, that rivalry. I work for the Flames, actually. I mean, those Oilers Flames games were incredible uh, to see in person. So, you know, I think, hey, if we're lucky enough, maybe they could even get matched up in the first or second round of the huh. playoffs, too.
0: Gee, that, that would be ratings galore right there. Absolutely. It would do numbers unbelievably in Canada. I really want to see it and, you know, being a Maple Leafs homer, I want to see them play the Montreal Canadiens and for a little bit this year in the standings it looked like that might have been a possibility. Obviously, I don't think so now with the Canadiens kind of falling off but, you know, I want those rivalries. I want the juice back and hopefully it'll be more than just a few teams and maybe something will happen but you know, even, you know, we got a little bit of it last year and a little bit of boil over this year, but then they went and hired DeBoer in uh, Vegas, but you had the, the rivalry starting to simmer and bubble there between Vegas and San Jose with all that went on in the playoffs and everything in those two teams, but hiring DeBoer kind of threw a little bit of water on that, I think. And I'm wondering what you feel about the uh, Gerard Gallant situation, seeing when we just uh, brought those two teams up. How do you feel about him being dismissed? I don't think it was fair to him especially what he did with that, you know, golden bunch of misfits. But, unfortunately, he's out the door, and now DeBoer is in. I'm wondering what your thoughts are there, Rob. Well, it's a storyline
1: that we've talked about far too often this season. We're on our podcast, Fantasy on Ice, here at DHL. I mean, it's like we've titled eight or nine different episodes, you know, Impact and still in the team name, coaching change. I mean, it's, it's getting to a point now where it's, it's kind of hard to to really even assess this. I know they said it was all performance-based, which is, you know, well and good, and, and that's, you know, the, obviously the owner and management discretion, no doubt about it. That's the way it works, tough business. But, um, you know, when, when you look at it on paper, 57 points, uh, they were three points shy of the division lead at that time in the Pacific. So, you know, I do think, you know, that is a very difficult situation because the owners believe and, you know, management believes how successful that team can be, and I, I believe it too. I mean, that should be the top team in the West this season. So, um, you know, it's a tough, tough call, but, um, you know, DeBoer is obviously a very good coach as well. So go on. But, um, you know, Poison, I guess. You know, it, it, it's hard to say, but I do think with DeBoer, we're going to see that team really, really play some like, systematic hockey. And, and when you have guys like Patchen, and Snowboard, and Stazney, and so, I mean, that team is going to be a very, very hard team
0: to bounce from the playoffs. No, 100%. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, every GM likes to have their own guy. Obviously, Kyle Dubas is no secret. He really wanted Sheldon Keefe. Even uh, while Babcock was there, you know, the rumors were flying. Then you have um, George McFee. obviously brings in Gallant. And then he goes upstairs, and now Kelly McCrimmon's the GM. Obviously, every GM likes their own guy. So I'm wondering if that was just his—I um, guess—the losing streak was his way of being able to put his guy in place and not have to worry about it, or you know, worry too much about the semantics. But I mean, if you look at Daniel Nograno, who's a huge Vegas Golden Knights fan, and you listen to him on the Spittin' Chicklets podcast, holy smokes, he—he uh, he really had the pulse of the fan base and talking about it, but. Yeah, I, I think it goes to every guy wanting their own their own coach in place, and we'll see what happens. But you're right, that Vegas team is is one of the most stacked teams. I mean, you look at Stone and Patches and Marcia Show, and you go down the list, and even the defensemen on the squad, and then you have Flurry. You can't go wrong. And they play that physical way, and they got Ryan Reeves in there too. So, yeah, I, I like your pick of taking them to the cup final, and you're not the first person I heard say that too. I
1: just don't. Anyone in the West that can, they can go toe to toe like that. I mean, they just can rule out three lines like can score now. Their fourth line, obviously, can hit. You don't even have to name who's on that. Everybody knows. So, I and mean, that's just a very, very difficult thing to play against. And, and yeah, credit to Dorothy. I mean, right out of the gate, he got the guy he wanted. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. And now you're missing the team. You're in, you out. Compete heavily for the Stanley Cup uh, trophy.
0: And what's crazy is, this team was so well positioned that this year when they go to the draft, they are going to use that second-round pick they got from Pittsburgh to take Marc-Andre Fleury, their starting goaltender. So, yeah, McPhee did wonders, especially with the expansion draft and building this squad, and I don't think Seattle's going to get the same shake of the stick when they uh, they come and do their expansion draft. I think teams have uh, widened their eyes and understand what's going to happen. I
1: totally agree. I, I think everyone learned their lesson, and... You know, too bad for Seattle, I guess. But you never know. They, they could still pull off some magic, too. I mean, these, uh, these constraints on teams trying to protect players or, you know, expose others, pretty difficult. So, you know, there's definitely going to be some good guys available. but you're right. I, I don't see this being a Seattle team, you know, going to the cup final in year one. No doubt about it.
0: No, and there's a lot of teams that are in, we'll call it cap hell, you know, that will want to get rid of some contracts and obviously will dangle some assets to do so. So, yeah, no, I think Seattle will be competitive. I don't see them doing what Vegas did. And I don't think anybody saw what Vegas did and thought it was going to be that way at the beginning of the season, right? Going from being on a napkin to the Stanley Cup finals is, is a, you know, a movie. So, obviously, they wrote that movie pretty well. And this weekend, speaking of movies, we have the NHL All-Star Game. All of the best in the NHL coming together, except for the ones who are either taking the time off with suspension or just showing up, as we talked about Matthews, to do the festivities. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the event as a whole, and then obviously the marquee event for me this year is watching the women's hockey at the All-Star Game. I think this is great, and I think it's finally good that the NHL is starting to dip its toe into the water, and hopefully this leads to the creation of a National Hockey League's women's side of it. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the game, and then, of course, the uh, the women's tournament that's going on as well.
1: I agree with yeah, you. I think the women's tournament is what I'm most excited for, too. I mean, you know, you, you see uh, them kind of meeting up USA, Canada. It seems like they're competing for a gold medal almost every year, whether it's Olympics or World Championship hockey. And if you watch those games, it is so similar to the style of play that we watch with the NHL, but just not as many people watch it. So I think the more eyes you get on the sport, the better, and you're going to see just how good that competition is. So definitely super excited for that. I think otherwise, what I'm looking forward to this weekend, i was a sucker for the skills competition every year. I just get jazzed up about it. I mean, we, we all know who's going to win the hardest shot, be Shea Weber, but it's like Every year, I just I just love watching that. And then the new event where they're going to shoot pucks uh, from the stands—it was hilarious to see like Ken Atkinson practicing that with the Blue Jackets a couple weeks ago. So I think that's another one I'm kind of you know anticipating, you know, hoping that that really turned into a success. And um, obviously the, the the game itself is fun too. But I'm just you know one of those skills competition guys myself.
0: Well, I love the skills competition. You know, I like seeing all the different guys and different different things that they put out each year. I really liked it when they did the shootout moves and everybody was getting dressed up and having fun with it. It showed personality, and that's something I think sometimes in the NHL is lacking. Is the you know the excitement level like you know PK Subban getting jacked up or Austin Matthews doing the ear at Madhouse? You know, just just those things there, and you see that in the shootout at the All Star game was fun. You know, I want more of that and. Maybe this in the stands thing will give guys you know, the chance to show off a little bit of their personality and flair. And I'm I'm super, super looking forward to it. I'm wondering, uh, is there one guy you're looking forward to uh, the most to see this weekend do some things?
1: Well, I mean, I hate to it back here, but I'm really looking forward to Matthew Kachuk and <laughs> Leon Drysaddle being on that same Pacific Division team. We saw what Drysaddle said about how he won't get on the ice if Kachuk's on at the same time. I'm sure just by a little bit of overlap that that will happen. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's, you know, it kind of adds intrigue, a little awkwardness. Um, whether you know, Leon and Drysaddle meant that or not, I, I think it's pretty funny. And then with Kachuk, uh, Matthew there, there's also Brady Kachuk there too. I'm sure they're going to coordinate a little something special. And uh, I believe their dad still lives in St. Louis. So that could be a nice little
0: kind of Kachuk family affair there. No, it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm wondering if we get another Wes McCauley moment where he uh, makes them both take the face off <laughs> at the uh, at the All-Star game. I wonder what you think about that too with Wes McCauley, obviously. Just talked about personality, and he is, uh, for the rest side of things, is injecting it into the game. And I, for one, I don't mind it. I enjoy it. I think it's funny, um, you know, can he go over the top sometimes? Of course, anybody can, but I think it's pretty funny the things that he does, and he also seems to, to hone in on special moments like that one with the brothers, so i wondering what your thoughts are on Mr. West McCauley. I
1: mean, it works. He's a great official. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, any time that... You can get more personalities from anybody that's on the ice, including officials. I think it's good. You know, you don't want to see it dictate a game or take over. Obviously, I don't think anybody is paying, you know, to to take a ticket to to watch that. But, but no, I do think it's good. And, and yeah, I mean, it should be uh, pretty awesome if something like that happens at the All-Star Game this weekend.
0: So I'm going to ask you a question about the All-Star Game. There's a lot of humdrum about it. Some people say get rid of it altogether. Some people say they don't watch it anymore. Some say it's bland, whatever. For me, I enjoy the whole thing. The entire spectacle I enjoyed it as a kid up until now. But I do believe that there should be something on the line for the game itself. And I'm thinking it should be home ice for the Stanley Cup Final. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on something like that. I think baseball does something to that effect. I'm wondering if that may add a little bit of juice to the guys Playing in the game.
1: I think it's a good idea. I mean, any any time if you can incorporate a bit more of a competitive nature, maybe raise the stakes, up the ante, if you will. I think that's a good idea. I know that probably all the leagues, all the top leagues, are looking at ways to kind of buff up, spruce up the All Star game. It's an event that I personally really enjoy every year. I mean, I think people that aren't watching it, they're probably just not really sitting down appreciating, you know, everything that goes into that production, Um, you know, and all all kind of back scenes, behind the scenes type work. So, yeah, I mean, I I respect if you don't want to watch, you don't want to watch it. But I do think that that could help to bring some of those fans back into it if you did raise raise the stakes on the ice just a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think if you had those stakes attached to the game, obviously, you know, A, you then have to hope that your team makes a Stanley Cup final. But then the guys will be trying a little bit harder because obviously – There'll be some players on that team that do think their squad has a chance. So, I don't know. I'm pretty excited for for the All-Star game as a whole. I can't wait for it to get on. I can't wait for the festivities to kick off. Um, the last thing I'm going to ask you, I'm going to get you to put your prediction hat on right now. We know where Toronto's sitting. We know what you said that your early season prediction was for a Stanley Cup final. Who do you see making it all the way now that we've seen almost half the year? Yeah, it's not that
1: I'm off Toronto now. I, I still think they're a very really talented hockey but... club. But I think the more realistic, you know, assessment of that team this year would be, you know, getting to the second round, maybe the third round, but I think they lose in the second round. They probably play 14 games, though, and it's going to be overall, like, viewed as a positive, right, like, viewed as kind of like a building block season where they got a new coach in there. Um, I just think, you know, when you look at a team like the Capitals this season, they're just far Good. I mean, and and it's it's kind of sad in a way. They really only need to play 20 minutes against teams in the league to win. Uh, There's so many times you watch that team play the first two periods, come out a little bit sleepy. They're down three to one, and they win four to three in the third period alone. So when you see stuff like that, I just can't envision a scenario in which that team's not going back to the Cup final. You know, for for other teams like Boston, like you know, they're great too. But I just think the Capitals this year, it, they're, real, they're really destined to win another one. And um, they've got two lines on top that can produced They've got great defense. I mean, Jan Carlson, really, really. this guy could have 100 points as a defenseman this year. The last time that happened, it was Brian Leach.
0: It's insane. Two
1: for the Rangers. Yeah, so I, I just think that that team is far too good. They have two good goalies. Uh, but I think that's going to be a real tough ride. Uh, now, granted, that think used to in the injury. That could be a totally different story. But as things stand right now, I would say Washington out of the East. And in the West, I mean, obviously I'm real high on the Vegas Golden Knights. But I do think the West is interesting in, in just that, you know, St. Louis is very good again. Think about what they've done without Larry Tarasenko. Pretty much the entire year, I think he only played like 10 games or something.
0: Yeah, but, it was a small I amount mean, of
1: games. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible that that team's still firing like that. The talk of Bennington not being legit. That lasted 30 seconds. I mean, <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. And I, th- I just think the West, I mean, the style of play. I mean, even if he in Dallas, I know they're kind of sleepwalking right now through the regular season, but if they start scoring, if they get depth scoring, that's a very hard team to beat. So I think when you look at the West, uh, obviously, like I said, Vegas is my favorite there, but it wouldn't shock me to see Dallas in this style. It wouldn't shock me if Colorado led by Nate McKinnon final, and it would not shock me if so to the blues back there too. Well what's your take on the West? I I, I like that's, I think that's my best breakdown of it, but like what who was your favorite thing out of
0: the West? You know, if I had to go with the team out of the West, for whatever reason I keep getting drawn towards the Colorado Avalanche. Just the way that Nathan McKinnon can will that team. Kale McCarr is on fire. Uh, that team it just seems like it's a team of destiny. I know a lot of people will look at me and say, well, look at Vegas, or, you know, you go and look down the road at St. Louis. You know, for me, for whatever reason, I think Colorado f- is going to be firing in all cylinders come the playoffs. Um, you know, Nazem Kadri's is out to prove things. Uh, who would have known, you know, give the guy a little bit more of uh, ice time and you, you start bumping up his goal total again. So uh, for me, I'm looking Colorado out of out of the West. Uh, I know I'm picking somebody that probably no one else is going to pick. And then out of the East, um, I agree with you on Washington. I just get a little bit worried where we saw Tampa do the whole only have to play 20 minutes and have a great season. You know, tuck it in, get ready for the playoffs, and then we know what happened. Um, I'm looking actually for Tampa to make it to the uh, the Stanley Cup Final, so I would say Tampa, Colorado. I like that.
1: I like that. A lot. I mean, in Tampa, you know, if there's one team right now that you know quote deserves it, um, you know, it's definitely the Bolts. And for Colorado, I think the, the thing about them this year, they kind of remind me of the Hurricanes from last year, where they have that kind of top-heavy offense that's super elite, very hard to match that production in the playoffs, and then their goaltending is not that good. Like, Rue Bauer, he's okay, he's not great, but I don't think that that's going to cost them a playoff series. I think he's going to going to the occasion enough to make some big-time stops, but I think ultimately... You know, I, I just don't think they have everything you want to see for them to get to the final. Now, Carolina, like, they had a great year last year, but I think they have the same exact concern this year with Mirage and that. I mean, he played he played below a 900 save percentage in the first round of the playoffs that year, and they still advanced. And that's that just, I don't think that you can recreate that as a, bl- a blueprint model for success. And I also think that injury to Dougie Hamilton this year really, really hurts that team.
0: Um, that sucks for him too season,
1: Maybe not, but if, he, if he's not back Ready to go in the playoffs like That is a major
0: blow Yeah, losing Dougie Hamilton, that really actually sucks I mean, he was having a great career year too You know, 14 goals, I think it was, he was He's on pace for one of his Best offensive years And then to have that happen, it just It sucks, but at the same time You know, it gives a, you know another guy like uh, Slavin the chance to go to the All-Star Game and to step up his game and Hopefully, you could see what else you have on that Carolina squad, and like you said, maybe Dougie comes back for the playoffs, and they're ready to go with Mister Game Seven now signed as well. So,
1: the one thing I want to ask you about the Bolts, if you have them going back to the final, what do you think is different about the makeup of that team this year than in years past?
0: Um, the reason why I'd say they'll be going to the finals this year is last year, like we said, they cakewalked the league. This year, and then they had the adversity. This year they started off sluggish. They were there was infighting or rumors of infighting and you know, it seemed like they were going through adversity. So it seemed like a team that had the world basically by the ass, so to speak, and last year and then this year they learned that hey, all of it can go away. All of it can disappear. And right now, if you look at them, they've turned it on, they're now second in the Atlantic. You know, they're they're doing what they should be doing and I think they've learned lessons. I think they've You know, took all that happened to heart, and I I don't know. I just feel that this team understands that if we don't work for it or we don't put our effort in 100%, we could have what happened last year or we could not even make the dance like we were at the beginning of the season where we were down in the standings. So I think it's just lessons learned, and the whole squad is, you know, looking at each other and saying, hey, if we don't do this, things are going to change and we're not going to like it. Like, there was rumors beginning of the season that, hey, maybe Kucherov should, Kucherov should be cha- traded or John Cooper should be fired or, you know, well, maybe get rid of this guy or get rid of that guy, you know, or, and then all the rumors of the infighting. You never hear about that stuff when teams are winning. But, you know, I think this team is now going to look at each other and and, and go far. I just, I, like I said, I feel the lessons were learned and you you bear those scars and you move forward. Um, I wish I could say the same for the Leafs, but you know Boston in Game Seven just seems synonymous at this point. So hopefully they can get older and learn. But I think Tampa definitely took last year to heart and will be uh, definitely moving forward to go through the playoffs and, and use all that experience. Yeah, that's how
1: much for sure. I can I can see the same thing. You know, I mean it does seem like there's something a little bit off about that team every postseason, not exclusive to last year. I mean, even dating back. Um, years further, but I agree. I mean, I think you know the cards are kind of stacked, you know, aligning nicely for that. And yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. But I do think we're going to be in, in store for a wild ride here, wild finish. And I, you know, what I would love to see kind of go on these first round matchup predictions. I would love to see Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, go after it in round one. I just think that, you know, such underrated communities for hockey there. Yes. And, uh, you know, seeing Barkov, you know, go head-to-head with some of those guys, I think that would just be so good uh, for the league on, on, a, on a national level.
0: Oh, it would definitely do well for those fan bases. I mean, you look at the attendance in Florida, you know, and with the Panthers, and it's just like, wow. I mean, I'm going down in the first week of uh, first week of March to go see Tampa-Montreal and Tampa-Boston. So I'm going to really enjoy those games. But getting tickets to those, you know, it was a a hard fight to get the four that we needed. But then you go and look over at Florida, we were looking at the Panthers as well. And, you know, it was easier to get tickets and the price wasn't that bad as well. So hopefully, you know, you get those two teams playing each other with all those marquee players. And then we get to that rivalry thing we were talking about earlier where maybe these teams start to, to bump up against each other a little bit too much and, you know, a little bit of rivalry starts to build there. And then you have that built in. Maybe they make the playoffs each year and it starts building more and more and more. That's when fans start to come. You see it in Carolina when they started making the playoffs and started being a good team and they won the cup, you know, and then they missed where the fans go. They disappeared. But when you have a team that's top flight and able to take on other top flight teams, it draws the fans in. And that those markets need it. Um, Tampa, not so much. Obviously, they can sustain right now because they've been a really good team for a while. But Florida, for sure, I want to see them do well. And getting Bobrovsky, I thought that was going to be a, you know a slam dunk, and unfortunately, he hasn't looked as as good as he should. At least not through the, the first whatever forty nine games that they've played.
1: I think the good news for Bobrovsky and for the Panthers is that you know if they do make the playoffs, which I think they should, you're one hundred percent locked there. And if they win around and the Rossi plays great, I mean no one's gonna remember his regular season. So I think it's yeah. a nice kind of optimistic sort of attitude <laughs> to have and, and let's not forget Coach Q behind the bench there really knows how to roll lines, get favorable matchups and you know when when you've got a guy like him, calm presence behind the bench, I think that goes a long way for guys up and down their lineup and their defense is good. Their forwards are complete. So, you know, that's a team that if, if you know, it was going to be kind of one surprise team to make some noise, you know, I definitely would have to say the Panthers. It would be them this year.
0: Yeah, no, I'd say the Panthers making noise would be a sure bet. Um, but, I, like I said, I'll stick to it. I think Tampa's going to the, the dance and I do believe that they'll be playing the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I mean, we could see what happens there, but definitely, uh, I'll look to see if yours comes through, And obviously, if it does, we'll we'll talk a little bit more, maybe come trade deadline and playoff time. Um, I'm going to ask you one question before I let you go, Rob. I know you have a lot to do, All-Star game this weekend, and we'll talk a little bit about your uh, your show as well here before we go. But I want to ask you: Look at the teams that are not in the playoff picture right now, and put Toronto aside because we both agree that they are a playoff-caliber team. What team do you see making a charge in getting into the playoffs, either east or west?
1: Well, this is going to come out of left field, but it's the Chicago Blackhawks. And the reason I say it is, is just, I think it might be a personal you know, bias in a way where I just want to see Pat Kane have one more go, and giant Page, and Duncan Keith, and those guys, like, I, I just want to see them in, in, in the postseason one more time as a core unit together, um, and it's got Robin Rainer back there playing really, really well, Corey Crawford, two straight W's, um, you know, he hasn't been great this season, but he's, he's capable, as we all know he is, so I, I see the Blackhawks getting hot, they're a very good second-half team, and they're actually 50, in his overall standing since December 5th. So that just kind of goes to show that whatever Jeremy is preaching there is definitely taking place. So that would be my pick from the east, from or from the west, excuse me, from the east. You know what, I, the, the only teams really that have a shot, um, you know, if they're outside the playoff picture right now, would be Montreal, Buffalo, uh, you know, one of those teams. It's definitely not going to be Buffalo. Jack Eichel is amazing, but he, can't have a one player show. No. Um, Jeff Skinner's you know, falling I mean, off the map. I mean, yeah, totally. So, you, you know, Montreal would be great. Uh, there's nowhere I'd, I'd rather watch a game than Delta, uh, especially come playoff time. But, you know, I just think that that team, even with their injuries to um, June the this season, Gallagher's banged up. Um, kovalchuk has been a nice fit, a nice surprising fit there. Um, I think they have an interesting makeup of guys, but. Uh, you know, I just don't think it's enough, uh, you know, even with Carrie Price back there and Shea Weber, I just don't think it's enough to go on a run. I think really the only team, you know, you're looking at maybe getting a shot is Columbus, but they're in the playoff picture right now. You know, you mentioned Philly earlier, obviously with A.V. now, they've got a good shot at it. Um, so those are those maybe two realistic teams. Uh, I'd love to see you know a team like Montreal make the noise. I'd love to see the Panarin show and the Eichel show continue. But I think when you're looking at the Rangers and the Sabers, you know the New York team, they just don't have enough pop up uh, and down the lineup.
0: No, I would definitely agree with you on that. Um, well, I do hope the Columbus hangs on after everything that happened in the offseason, losing all those key players. I do hope that market gets back to the playoffs, and the guys that are there get to enjoy the dance and, you know, reap the reward of hard work this year because that was a, lot, a mass exodus of players. I mean, you look at all the talent that left that team and Tortorella's got that squad back to where it needs to be. So hopefully they can hang on and enjoy it for Columbus. But I want to thank you very much for lending your voice to offside today, talk about the All-Star game, the Leafs and all the teams in the league. But you have your own show that goes on for NHL.com. Let everybody know about that so we can, uh, we can wrap up and get everybody listening to you guys as well
1: fantasy on ice. It's been a major year for for us. We actually ramped up to we're doing shows almost every week, four times per week. So any action, any single thing that happens, you bet we're talking about it. We're breaking it all down, and uh, we're gonna really ramp up come playoff time. We'll have great preview shows breaking down all angles of every series. I co-hosted uh, my colleague Pete Jensen, who is just a tremendous insider for the National Hockey League. So you know we've got this like the 24/7, 365, That is no exaggeration. Pulse on the league and anything you you know you can think of to talk about, chances are we're talking about it.
0: No, that's awesome, and um, we've had Pete on the show before. So now that we've had the uh, the host, co-host, and everyone in between, I want to thank you yet again, Rob, for taking the time. I know you're very busy. So, again, thank you very much. Be sure to check out NHL Fantasy on Ice at NHL.com. And, Rob, enjoy the All-Star game this weekend, my friend.
1: Hey, thanks. And definitely, hey, if this Leafs-Vegas uh, Golden Knights thing comes true, um, you heard it here first. <laughs> so, we can uh, keep talking about the Leafs up until the postseason and, and maybe a little bit deeper this year than last.
0: Hey, listen, as long as I stay away from Boston, I'm fine with it. All yeah, right.
1: hopefully no don't match up against Tampa either because then in, in, in your world
0: they're going to blow through them, right? So. right? Listen, okay, just let me be happy about the least making <laughs> playoffs. So now we're talking about Boston and Tampa. Listen, whatever happens, it'll be, it'll be. And if I'll put it like this because last year it was if Toronto beat Boston or Boston beat Toronto, that looked like the road to the final, which it was. Obviously, we know what happened with Boston. So I'll say this, Rob. If Toronto plays Tampa first round and they beat Tampa – then they'll go to the cup and they'll have my vote. And they're my team. They don't even have my vote right now. So we'll see what happens. All
1: right. Well, I'm hoping for to too. And thank you
0: for having me on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Rob Reese of NHL.com. You heard he is one of the hosts of NHL Fantasy on Ice. Be sure to check out their show. It is on NHL.com. As you heard, they are ramping up weekly to give you more insight and more information Obviously, be sure to check out Offside each and every week as well. All right, guys, have yourself a great day.